Dr. Lawrence is going to uh, discuss how he has utilized uh, the resources in public evangelism and made them uh, successful. He's going to focus on how physicians and dentists can be helpful in the um, organization and planning of a campaign by using their influence and uh, how we can use our practice to invite the public and how we can work with evangelism and evangelism with us as a bridge to gap be health and soul healing, health and heaven. And uh, he'll be uh, uh, giving us the first uh, presentations. And uh, you're up, Dr. Lawrence. Does, does everyone have a handout? Um, the medical and dental role in public evangelism. Um, if you don't, just get some right here at the table. And I'm just going to start off with an overview of, of the in public evangelism. And uh, I think before we start, we can. Just bow our heads and, and invite God's presence. All kinds for calling us to be instruments for you, be servants for you in your cause. Be with, with each of us, each dentist, physician, medical professional here this morning. And as we study the way we can be used by you in public evangelism, open our minds and our hearts to be receptive to your will and your direction. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Utilize um, our resources in making public evangelism successful. You know, there are many excuses people make, you know, for getting involved in public evangelism. With the church in, in many excuses. Probably you've given excuses. Um, I can't take the time off from my practice and lose income. It's too expensive. I can't afford it. My patients may view me as a religious fanatic. I may lose them. I don't feel comfortable bringing up religion with my patients. Most of them are of a secular mindset anyway and don't want to hear about the Bible. I am not a pastor or an evangelist, and my ministry in meeting the physical needs of my only, that's what I do. Our higher calling as physicians and dentists is to point our patients to Jesus for spiritual healing, isn't it? Um, when we step out in faith, God always rewards us with, with great benefits, and he always blesses us. You know, in the economic climate in this country right now, it's very favorable for evangelism. How many people believe that? Because it's so easy now to invite people because many people jobs, they are financially strapped, and uh, they are more receptive to the gospel right now during times these hard times. And with loss of jobs, many people have more time to attend meetings. 
there are about 30 to 40 million people in this country without any type of medical or dental insurance. And they realize that their best protection right now is getting to not get sick, to be healthy. So they, healthy is um, attractive right now. And what has given us as medical and dental professionals for public evangelism? Let's run through these real quickly. Influence. We have a lot of influence. The public overall trust as a single factor is very high for the medical and dental professional, 76%. A survey showed that of 21 the medical professionals are ranked very high in honesty, ethical standards, and competence. And this uh, is a powerful resource God has given us. And God has blessed us with this resource. And we speak. Another resource is the gift of healing. of people and they are receptive to God's word. Use your office to direct people to public evangelism meetings. Your office should be known as a center for health and lifestyle evangelism. Focus on the holistic, the physical, and the spiritual because this is the only true way in which health can be achieved. Financial resources too. That's another blessing God has given you. And use your financial resources. Your supply. So you have more resources. God will make sure of that. The Bible says the Lord is what? It's good. Right? And we need to test him. And he will certainly. You know, in my practice, I found out that every time I reached out in public evangelism or meetings, the month and collection in those months that I spent time to do public evangelism. In fact, my assistant is so, she can't understand it. She says it defies, you know, you, you take more time off, spend more money in evangelism, and your ear. So, but we know who's in charge, right? He's finally, and is a believer. He's finally said, I know I believe that God is working with you in your practice. Okay? And work with the conference on your local in public events. that you many has many programs. Homes of Hope, Win Wellness. And we the Homes of Hope. We to the church so that they can so that they can get familiar with and befriend people in the church. Because when people become familiar with a certain area, certain church, with people in the church, they are more receptive to an invitation for meetings later on. And more about that as we how we planted the church in the in the okay. The final thing is that. as a catalyst for public evangelism in, in, in the short-term mission. Always choose a mission trip that has a, beside a medical, has an evangelism to it. 
Every mission trip we do, we take a pastor or evangelist with conferences and the local pastors, and they follow up on the meetings later because every trip local pastors take over and have meetings later on. So I hope you can do and the resources that you have at your disposal to use by God. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Lawrence. Dr. Lawrence has been a very effective um, uh, person in harnessing local evangelism and hooking them up. Right, that would be fine. Um, our next presenter is one of great experience. Um, he, has, he has worked with uh, um, Pastor Finley, and, uh, and he is one of uh, the favorite uh, physicians that, Dr. Fi that uh, Pastor Finley has used in working in public evangelism and uh, particularly in overseas missions. And so we've asked Dr. Dr. Butcher if he would share on uh, harnessing the resources in uh, public evangelism. So the question is, as health professionals, how can we take part in And what do we have to bring that will be helpful? As Mark Finley always used to tell me, he said, you know, Dwayne, some people come to hear you and tolerate me, and other people come to hear me and tolerate you. And that's true because the health component will bring people who may not have an interest in the spiritual. But I remember one of the uh, meetings we did in um, Moscow, a guy who came because he wanted to stop smoking, basically, didn't want anything to do with the spiritual. Ten years later, I met him when I was back there, and he was now a pastor. And he said, because I stopped smoking, I learned about the spiritual. So that can be very uh, helpful. And we don't say this, but we're also preparing people for membership because there are some health things that go into getting people ready for church membership. So some of the things we're covering are actually preparing them for membership. We're also helping people have a better relationship with God. If your mind's clear, you can relate better to God. So you can have a better spiritual relationship. And... Sometimes those of us who are here are involved in health all the time and we think this is just so old, everybody knows about it. A lot of places in the world, our church members have never had much in, impact with health evangelism. The leaders of our church in many places in the world aren't familiar with this. Um, and sometimes many places in the world particularly, it actually happens here at home too, people think that health just happens, that they really don't have much influence over it. And just to be able to get people to realize there are some causes and effects, there are health laws, 
that if you follow them, you're going to do better. And if you uh, don't, you're more likely to have trouble. Because we're involved with evangelistic meetings, it's very easy to bring in spiritual and the health parts also. And it, the old pattern was you'd have an evangelist like a Mark Finley or a Doug Batchelor or someone would go, and we would do health with them. More and more, that's going to where you have lay people going and doing evangelism. And as health professionals, you can also train lay people to do health talks. You don't have to have a health professional do the lay talks. When our church goes, we'll take 10 or 12 teams, and I'll have 10 or 12 different people doing health talks and go over them each day with them, help them know what they're talking about that evening. Um, one of the big discussions on health topics is what topics do you want to talk about? And there's basically two ways that I've seen people approach it. Probably the more common way is we use the eight natural remedies. And I'm a great believer in the eight natural remedies, but when we started doing this 20 years ago, we actually talked about it and decided that's not what most people are interested in. I mean, most people don't wake up in the morning and say, do I need more air? But people do wake up in the morning and say, you know, my friend just died of a heart attack. How can I avoid that? So my preference is include the eight natural remedies, but not as the topics include felt needs. You know, how can I avoid the number one killer in this whatever country you're in? Usually it's heart disease, almost every country in the world. Um, <clears throat> it seems people don't even know what the number one killer in their area is often. Um, and bring in the felt needs, and I think people come along with you uh, much more. The other thing that I feel strongly about is we'll give you some resources where you can get what I call canned health talks, and some of those are good, but customize them. Make them yourself. Don't just use the, the, the customized canned talk. Do some research. Find out the statistics, you know, in the country you're going to, the city you're going to. You know, if you're going to Wisconsin, Wisconsin, look up and see what's the death rate in Wisconsin for heart disease. What are the problems there? And it'll be much more um, helpful to people. And I put some uh, illustrations here, you know, World Health Organization, CDC, UN AIDS, and just Google search sometimes, you can find local statistics. The other thing that people love, <coughs> when we started doing this 20 years ago, we couldn't do it, but these days it's simple, is put local pictures in. I mean, it's one thing to give an illustration and show a picture from Loma Linda University. Most people don't have any idea what that picture is. But if you can show a picture of the hospital in their town or the court in their town, they're going to, oh, or did you see her pictures in there? And they're going to they're listen. Um, <clears throat> there's also discussion about screenings. Are screenings helpful? When we first started, we used to do a lot of lipid screening, cholesterol tests, and so on. It's gotten so expensive that it's hard to do that. Some places you go, particularly in this country, you can find, can cooperate with hospitals and team up with them and have them do some lab screening. And they'll usually fund that for you and do some screening. And then you can do the reviewing the results with people going over and making changes. So, I mean, if you can do it, it's good. Blood pressure is obviously cheap to do. And in lots of places in the world, that's still helpful. But some of the screenings can uh, be uh, helpful. But if you can get somebody else to pay for them, so much the better. One of the, as you go through all the topics, <coughs> one of the 
things is you're going to miss something. And I always try to include a night of questions. And if you have questions from the floor, it gets to be unruly sometimes. You have people dominating. But if you can have people have a question box, they put questions in, and then you just answer the questions from the, from the question box, it'll give you topics that you can talk about. And if you have to, you can stuff the box. If there's a topic you want to cover and you haven't, there's nothing saying you can't put a question in the box too. So you can use that as a catch-up if you need to. Um, the other question that they asked me to cover was, do you want to try and coordinate your topics with the evangelist? For example, tonight the evangelist is talking about the Sabbath, you talk about rest. That can be done. I've found most of the time it doesn't work real well. It's too artificial. The thing that I do try to coordinate with the evangelist is there are some topics that the evangelist has that are longer than others. He's going to make an appeal or something. And there's some topics I have are longer than others. And we try not to put our two long ones together. So that if he's going to do a long one with an appeal, I'll try to do a shorter one. If he's doing a shorter one, I can, can put in a longer one. And that can be uh, helpful. As far as some health resources available, I'll put a couple of places down here. You're probably all familiar with the Health Expo <clears throat> and those things. There's a number of places that have health talks. Most of them are very generic. <clears throat> probably the, the best ones that I'm familiar with are the Abundant Living Health Talks that um, started out with ASI and ended up um, with Chuck Cleveland being the, the one behind that. Those they now have where you, you can get them as a DVD and you can't change them. If you get them as a CD, they're in PowerPoint, you can modify them and make them your own. And they're probably one of the, the better resources that's available. And this is just a website here where you can get those. That was an excellently practical presentation. Uh, you all have his notes. Um, and uh, I appreciate that, Dr. Butcher. Our next uh, presentation will be Dr. Tuma. Dr. Tuma is a family practice physician in Southern California, and uh, she has participated and, in, and done evangelistic work, and she has a passion to bring people to Jesus, and uh, I'm looking forward to her presentation. And by the way, um, we hopefully uh, will have some time, I'm, I'm trying to be very mindful of time, that uh, we'll uh, be able to have some questions at the end. I'm so happy that you're all here. I'm, my heart is full of joy. Um, can you hear me in the back? How about now? Okay, good. Feed my lambs. That's the topic of my presentation. Um, I will share with you what I quoted from uh, Pen of Inspiration because it, it portrays so eloquently what I'd like to convey to you. And then I will be sharing with you some of my experiences. We are all doctors. We know what sin does. Sin brings physical and spiritual disease and weakness. 
Christ has made it possible for us to free ourselves from this curse. The Lord promises by the medium of truth to renovate the soul. The Holy Spirit will make all who are willing to be educated able to communicate the truth with power. It will renew, listen to this, it will renew every organ of the body that God's servant may work acceptably and successfully. Vitality increases under the influence of the Spirit's action. Let us then, by this power, lift ourselves into a higher, holier atmosphere that we may do well our appointed work. What's our appointed work? We'll come to it later. So, we, when we free ourselves from disease, God will free us from disease, it will re He'll renew our organs, our vitality increases, and we get lifted up to a higher spiritual level that we may communicate the, the, the word with power. And then we can do our appointed work more effectively. What's our appointed work? We'll come to later. It is not God's will that we should seclude ourselves from the world, but while in the world, we should, we should sanctify ourselves to God. We should not pattern after the world. Who then do we pattern after? Okay, we are to be in the world as a corrective influence, as salt that retains its savor. Among an unholy, impure, idolatrous generation, we are to be pure and holy. Are we pure and holy? as God's children? Think of it. Showing that the grace of Christ has power to restore in man the divine likeness. After a while of communing with Christ and being close to him, we will be Christ-like, divine likeness. We are to exert a saving influence upon the world. There are many who long. Okay, so what do we do if we're going to attain this divine likeness and be so exalted at a, in a higher level, spiritual level? How do you get that? There are many who long to help others. They think they can't do it, but they feel that they have no spiritual strength or light to impart. Let them present their petitions at the throne of grace. Plead for the Holy Spirit. God stands, he backs up his promises. God stands back of every promise he has made. With your Bible in your hands, say, Here, I have done as thou hast said. I present thy promise. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. That, that's found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. So claiming God's promises. Open the Bible and say, Here, you said this. Now do it, please. I want it. We must not only pray in Christ's name, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This explains what it means when it is said that the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8:26. Such prayer God delights to answer when with earnestness and intensity we breathe a prayer in the name of Christ. There is in that very intensity a pledge. God pledges he will answer and give you what you want. In the name of Christ, there is in that very intensity a pledge from God that he is about to answer our prayer exceeding abundantly above all that we can think or ask. Isn't that beautiful? Look at that. He's promising us. Angels are watching with intense interest to see how man is dealing with his fellow men. Now listen and watch the help that you're going to get. When they see one manifest Christ-like sympathy for the erring, they press to his side and bring to his remembrance words to speak that will be as the bread of life to the soul. So, 
God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Even the words that you need, he will supply. Your testimony in its genuineness and reality, he will make powerful in the power of the life to come. The word of the Lord will be in your mouth as truth and righteousness. I remember myself sometime with a patient and I'm dying in my heart. I want to witness to them. What do I, what do I say? There's no opportunity. All of a sudden, either the patient says something or I say something and a big opportunity is opened to share spiritual things. And it would be, I mean, words come out of my mouth sometimes. I thought, where did that come from? I've never thought of it before. So God is so there. The angels are so there to stick by you and will help you. Just show an eager earnestness that you want to do it. Personal effort for others should be preceded aha, by much secret prayer. You pray before you see a patient. You pray before you do a public evangelism. You pray with your nurse in the morning before you start your day. For it requires great wisdom. Listen to that. For it requires great wisdom to understand the science of saving souls. It's not a simple matter. We need all the help that we can get from above. Before communicating with men, commune with Christ. At the throne of heavenly grace, obtain a preparation for ministering to the people. Let your heart break for the longing it has for God, for the living God. The life of Christ has shown what humanity can do by being a partaker of divine nature. All that, listen to this. Uh, this is not one thing, not two things, not three things. All, all that Christ received from God, we too may have. Can you imagine that? Then ask and receive. With the per persevering faith of Jacob, with the unyielding persistence of Elijah, claim for yourself all that God has promised. There are tons of promises in the Holy Word. Just think for them and find them. You'll find them. Let the glorious conceptions of God possess your mind. Let your life be knit, I love this, knit by hidden links to the life of Jesus. He who commanded, commanded the light to shine out of darkness is willing to shine in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will take the things of God and show them unto you, conveying them as a living power into the obedient heart. Christ, oh my, I love this. Christ will lead you to the threshold of infinite. You may behold the glory beyond the veil and reveal to men the sufficiency of him who ever liveth to make intercession for us. Okay, the, my title, the title of my talk, Feed My Lamb, comes from John tw chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. Christ addressing Simon Peter after the great disaster that happened in his life. And he's trying to get back with Christ. And he's, he's so repentant, and he wants to be one of Christ again. So when they had dined, that's uh, at the seashore, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, What do you say? Feed my lambs. Now you said you love me, so what's our appointed duty? Feed my lambs. He saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now every one of you can put your name instead of Simon, son of Jonas. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, 
Daddy, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He says unto him, feed my sheep. He says unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my lambs. Then from Desire of Ages, a comment on this uh, um, question, question and answer session. The question that Christ had put to Peter was significant. He mentioned only one condition of discipleship and service. Lovest thou me, he said. Do we really love Christ to where we want to reach out and get his sheep that are lost back to his fold? Lovest thou me, every one of you, of, of us. Christ is, is pointing the question at me. Raja, lovest thou me? Then feed my sheep. The only condition of discipleship and service, lovest thou me, he said. This is the essential qualification. Though Peter might possess every other, yet without the love of Christ, he could not be a faithful shepherd over the Lord's flock. Knowledge, benevolence, eloquence, gratitude, and zeal are all aids in the good work, but without the love of Jesus in the heart, the work of the Christian minister or any of us, which we are all ministers, is a failure. Okay, and when all the work is done, and when you've won all the lost sheep to Christ's fold, this is the result. The Redeemer is glorified because he has not died in vain. With glad, rejoicing hearts, those who have been laborers with God see the travail of their souls for perishing, dying sinners and are satisfied. The anxious hours they have spent, the perplexing circumstances they have had to meet, the sorrow of heart because some refuse to see and receive the things which make for their peace are all forgotten. The self-denial they have practiced in order to support the work is remembered no more. As they look upon the souls, they sought to win to Jesus and see them saved, eternally saved. Monuments of God's mercy and of Redeemer's love there ring through the arches of heaven, shouts of praise and thanksgiving. Okay, so about me. That's me, three-year-old. I was born into an Adventist family. My daddy is a minister. Um, uh, my, the, uh, the principal of, of, of the uh, elementary school wrote on my uh, graduation certificate from uh, kindergarten, I was five, uh, as a conjecture as what I will become when, I'm, uh, when I grow up, a doctor and a preacher. Little did she know that her prophecy will come true. I don't think any of her other prophecies came true, though. <laughs> I grew up um, not knowing God, even though I was a pastor's kid. Uh, I was very worldly. In '92, uh, I fell off a horse off the back of a, an amateur, um, um, I'm an amateur, but he's a <laughs> the horse was a retired racehorse, and I cracked my skull open. I was in coma for three and a half days. All the doctors predicted I was going to be gone, but the God had other plans for my life. But after I recovered from that deadly fall, I went even worse worldly than before. I even attacked God in cruel words. Anyway, um, that went on for a while. And then my son um, attended last year for one year. And there were some young, young students that gave Bible studies. They were on fire for God. And the, the, that fire caught on my son. And he brought it home. And my life has never been the same again. 
um, I, I, yeah, that happened in the fall of 2004. 2000, early 2005, um, I attended Mission College of Evangelism, and then after that I got rebaptized. I would be baptized first, age 13, for just because everybody else did it. Uh, but um, April 30, 2005, I was rebaptized, and that was the beginning of my beautiful Christian journey. Uh, in, in 2005, uh, in August of 2005, I attended ASI, and I turned in two cards uh, uh, in reply to a call that was made for a, to, to conduct an evangelistic series in Ghana. And there I am <laughs> in Ghana, early 2006, January, February, conducted an evangelistic series there. Um, a very flimsy pulpit in an open lot, a gas station and a taxi station. Um, that, that area that I uh, held the evangelistic series was a very difficult area because idol worship was extremely uh, prevalent. Uh, the vast majority of the population were Christians, but different denominations, but they all practiced idol worship. So it was uh, quite difficult. Uh, and their, plus, their, um, uh, the, their pastors would warn them, don't attend that visit, that Adventist visitors meeting. So they tried to hide sometimes behind the wall or something to listen. I had an average of 100 attendees, 50 Adventists, 50 non-Adventists. Here you see them sitting out on a few benches. Sabbath morning, I um, preached in the church of Somania. This was not a church. This was an elementary room, actually, a uh, school room. They did not have a church. Um, and uh, you see the gentleman in the, in the middle. He was our mentor. Sabbath morning, the, the day after I arrived, he knocked on my door. And he op when I opened the door, he, he had a question on his face because my eyes were puffy and red. Uh, and and he, he said, what's going on? I said, I was praying and crying for an hour and a half to God to use me. And he said, he will use you. He will use you for sure. That's for sure. And here's the results. Out of the 59 Adventists that were that attended, 20 were baptized. That's 40% of the attendees. Um, let me tell you, every day when I was preparing for my sermons, I would plead with the Lord to use me with tears, with, with all my heart. Many times I would cringe. I'd feel like this still. I would want the, the, the floor to open up and swallow me because I felt Christ so close. I felt so little. And that's me giving them uh, Bibles, each one of the uh, baptismal uh, candidates. And here they're getting baptized in the Volta River in Ghana. This is um, uh, <laughs> uh, Haita Cruz. She's 81 years old. I want to show you that there's no age limit to conducting evangel evangelistic series. She conducted evangelistic series in the same place that I was, in a different location, but, but in uh, West Africa. OK. Um, do I have five minutes? <laughs> Okay. Um, last year, uh, February, um, with Amen, uh, we headed to Haiti to Children's International Lifeline. It's a Baptist community that uh, schools 600 children and feeds one nutritious meal um, a day uh, to 1,500 Haitians. Um, we would we would give health, uh, we would uh, see patients, see that's uh, uh, elementary school kids, they're so cute. During the day we'd give, uh, we would see patients and 
There is in the village. That gentleman in the center is uh, um, uh, Donald Curtis. He's the pastor of that Baptist community. And behind him is C.A. Murray from 3ABN. 3, uh, 3ABN actually uh, uh, taped the whole trip. They were with us. So during the day, we see patients. This is a mommy and a daughter. And that's my translator there, Peter. And this is the, 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 the same girl praying, and we took a picture of her, of her after that. When I prayed with her, with the, her and her mom, she just put her hands together and prayed, so we took a picture of her. At night, in the evening, we gave um, uh, talks, health talks. It's really dark. Uh, that light, that lit up uh, square at the end there, that's a, a sheet spread out where we <laughs> showed our, our PowerPoint presentations. I was responsible for three talks, charcoal, sexually transmitted diseases, and AIDS. Every time before, again, before I would present, I would plead with the Lord to give me the bread of life, the words of life to give to these people, not only a health message, but I wanted something spiritual to give to them. It's amazing. I would stand there and talk with power, with such power. It's just incredible. And after the talks, they would come to me, and they're shaking their heads, not just at the, at the, at the health talk that they heard, but the spiritual. It was incredibly powerful. Okay, Donald Curtis, um, at the end of last year, 3ABN called us for an interview. Uh, it was in November. Donald Curtis, myself, and a representative of, of ADRA. At the end of the two-hour interview, uh, C.A. Murray asked the gentleman, uh, Donald Curtis and uh, the, uh, Wally, uh, ADRA representative, what their take was about, uh, about Haiti. And they talked about how poor it was, and they made an appeal for, for, for help. And then he came to me and said, Raja, what is your take on Haiti? And I told him, you heard what the gentleman said. It's extremely poor. But I want to add one more thing. I told him, uh, every time I, before I gave a health talk, I would plead with the Lord to give me power to convey the bread of life. And I told him it was so powerful that they would come in such appreciation after that. Donald Curtis jumped and said, and after her talks, two voodoo priests came and gave their lives to Christ. Oh, the praise the Lord. I did not hear that except on the set <laughs> during the interview. He said, one of them came and brought all his trinkets and says, here, burn them. I want Christ. And he's working at that. Christian community, uh, praising Christ, giving all his life uh, to Christ, and, and uh, praising God with a big smile. And Donald Curtis said, next time when you come, I'll introduce you to him. Uh, I also wanted to, to, uh, uh, to tell you about uh, uh, the, um, uh, the Ghana experience. That, they, that place they met was an elementary room. Um, they, they did not have money to build a church. Myself and my family sponsored a church that seats 2,000 people. And so next year, God willing, I'll be going back to Ghana to conduct an evangelistic series in that same church and pray for me that the Lord brings a lot more to his fold through these efforts. Feed his lambs. God loves you very much. Amen. Loves you. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Tuma. What we wanted to illustrate from that is that we are not simply health educators. We communicate, um, we are the bridge between health and him. And uh, if we have Jesus in our hearts, even when we're talking about AIDS, there will be something on our face. There will be some influence that will be different. And so our job as, as Seventh-day Adventist medical evangelists is to make certain that our lives are right before we give even something as simple as a health talk, so that more than health comes out, 
Jesus comes out by the expression of our faces. Our next presenter I've been looking forward to hearing, uh, and uh, he is the most experienced in doing public evangelism among the physicians that I know. He's written his own uh, uh, series that uh, you can use in, uh, in developing um, evangelistic outreach. And he's also worked with Pastor Finley as, as uh, Dr. Butcher has. Um, David Rose has also uh, presented with, with uh, David uh, Ashrick, with uh, Pastor Ashrick, a very effective series that increased, the attendance increased by over 200, Pastor Asterix told, just as a result of uh, Dr. DeRose's work. And so, Dr. DeRose, we're very happy to have you share from your experience. The Lord is wonderful to use erring sinners like us, isn't he? In this greatest work that's ever been entrusted to humanity. You know, one of the questions that you may have been thinking about here, some of you are experienced uh, presenters, you've given health series, you've preached evangelistic meetings, but others of you may be listening at this meeting and you're here in this session and you say, well, how can I get involved in doing this kind of work? Some of you know my story, but I thought I would uh, tell it to you. There's no screws there, so don't worry. Um, I got involved in health evangelism because I started praying about where the Lord wanted me to go to church. You say, well, I know where I'm supposed to go to church. I'm a member of such and such a congregation, such and such a church. But I started praying that uh, prayer and the Lord directed me to a very small, oh, almost obscure church. I was in residency at the time. I had never given a, a health talk. Don't worry about it. If it's plugged in, if the Lord wants it to work between the two of us, we'll get it. Okay? Um, so I started attending this small church. I'm actually in my internship at the time. And after uh, a few weeks, one of the influential ladies in this church of maybe 50 or 60 members comes up to me and says, we need you to preach a, do a health series here. And I, by that time in my life, had already felt like I'd learned a few things. And I said, well, <laughs> I'm not going to do a health series here unless the whole church wants it. You know, I could just kind of see. She, in fact, said, I watched you eating at the potluck. That was the reason she wanted me to do a health series. So I didn't think this was necessarily a very good situation. I said, I won't do this unless uh, the whole church wants it. And on top of that, I'm not going to do a health series unless there's someone to cook, because I'm going to be talking about nutrition, and uh, I'm not a cook. So I was off the hook for about five or ten minutes. Because then the... Uh, Local pastor came to me and he said, with his three ladies standing beside him, he said, we really need you to do this health series here. 
and these three ladies will cook for it. So what are you supposed to say? Now, you know the situation, though. I've never given a health talk, and uh, I'm an intern. For some reason, I said I would do it. And after a little bit of time, reality started to set in. There's no way, as an, you know, in my first year of residency, I'm going to put together a whole series of health meetings and uh, do this for the public. So I got on the phone and I called the pastor and I said, Pastor, you know this series of health meetings we were talking about? He said, yes, we've got it advertised throughout the whole community. You know, we've got posters up, it's been in the newspaper. I was stuck. And uh, so I started praying. <laughs> Lord, what are you going to do? I'll tell you, it was uh, probably the most amazing rotation I ever had. I think I was on the cardiology rotation at that time. I'm an internist by training. And uh, something amazing happened. All the patients on the service got well. And no one came to the cardiology service. I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit. Maybe there were one or two patients. But really, there was nothing to do but work on these health talks. So maybe the greatest benefit was all the blessing it was in the community to all those people who didn't have heart attacks or whatever because of uh, my prayer. But that's how I got involved in, in health ministry at the local church level. So I tell you that because there's probably a lot of you saying, well, I just couldn't do that. There's no way. I'm not a speaker. I've never given this before. Um, it doesn't mean we all have the same ability, but we all have the same, well, I won't say the same, but we all have an influence, and it's a powerful influence as health professionals. Let me share with you some statements. You've been hearing about this already, and I have a few statements I want to just uh, put before you. These are things that are very familiar, but some are not familiar. I want to make a bridge here with where we're going with evangelism, public evangelism. When connected with other lines of gospel effort, medical missionary work is what? A most effective instrument for doing what? Preparing the ground, you see, for sowing the seeds of truth. And most of us know this. We talk about the health message be the entering wedge. And uh, I'll talk, I'll expand a little bit on what Phil mentioned with uh, David Asherick, and I've done this in other settings as well. Uh, I'll give you some practical examples of this. You've been hearing others and some of their experience in this regard. But this is traditionally where we as physicians and dentists and health professionals have thought our role was. It was to prepare the way for the presentation of the message, the gospel message. But she makes a very interesting statement here in Medical Ministry 240. She says it's also something else. The instrument by which the harvest is reaped. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about this as we go along. But see, we think of health ministry as a sowing ministry. But under the pen of inspiration, it says health ministry. We're speaking here of practical public ministry. And I, I mean, it's broad. It's not just lecturing. It's ministering to people and their physical needs. But it's also an instrument by which the harvest is reaped. Phil, just by way of perspective, how much time do I have so I know what I'm dealing with here? Okay. Um, so let me give you an example here that uh, may be helpful by sharing a little bit more as far as a few statements and then illustrating it. Okay, so this goes along with the first 
concept, and you've been hearing about it, and this is, I think, firmly in our minds as health professionals. It's well in presenting the truth to unbelievers, first to prevent some subjects upon which they'll agree with us. So here we're talking about preparing the ground. The principles of health and temperance will appeal to their judgment, and we can, from these subjects, lead them to un on to understand the binding claims of the fourth commandment. So here in Councils on Health 545, this whole section is very relevant. It had a, a dramatic role in my own life. I'll share with you a little bit about that in a few minutes. But let me illustrate just some of the ways that we've been using this. And it's actually, some of this is a direct result of AMEN. If you're an AMEN member, uh, if you're not, you should be. But if you're an AMEN member, one of the things that your membership helped was a, an effort that AMEN sponsored in Michigan uh, several years ago. Wendell, did you talk some about this already before I came in? Okay. Um, well, Wendell was kind of the, the visionary uh, behind this, and what he did is help coordinate a series of uh, health expos and also health lectures. This is what Phil was referring to. Uh, I was invited to give the health lectures in connection with the health expo, and what we tried to do is we tried to build an attendance among people in the community with several focused health topics dealing with uh, felt needs. Some of you heard David Asherick and I speak about this a few years ago. So we did one on the brain health connection. We did another one on longevity. We did another talk on changing habits. And what we did then the final night, so we went Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday nights, and then Saturday night, I gave a short health talk. So I invited all these people back to my final health talk, which was going to be an overtly biblically uh, themed health talk. And that health talk was given just before David Asherick's uh, evangelistic meeting started right after that. So I was lecturing for, I think that time it was 15 or 20 minutes, and then David uh, went right to his evangelistic presentation. Uh, we just did the same thing last week. Um, am I, is my timeline right, Judy? Judy? In Sonora, um, we did a couple of health meetings with the Arise team, who's now uh, based there in Central California. And then they launched their evangelistic series uh, right on the heels of my last health talk, which was dealing with a, a spiritual theme, whereas the others were more designed for a secular audience. So what we're talking about is how do you help transition people into public evangelism, what you can do as a physician. Let me tell you about a broader approach that we did uh, this year in Topsom, Maine. I'm actually... Uh, for the last seven years, I've been running a health media, health consulting company called Compass Health. And uh, I scaled that back from full-time to half-time three years ago to pastor half-time. I was invited by the Northern New England Conference to pastor their half-time, especially doing health evangelism. And so what I've been doing is working with different churches there, especially churches in the Portland area. For those of you that know Adventist history, Topsom is uh, there in the uh, Portland, greater Portland area, if you will. And it's a very historic Adventist site. In fact, one of the historic Adventist homes is right next to the Baptist church where the Adventist church meets. Uh, you may have heard of Stockbridge, Howland, a uh, place where the Whites stayed. One of their boys actually was taken care of uh, by that family. So here we are in Topsom, Maine. There's a number of Adventist physicians there in that community. Uh, Parkview Hospital, Adventist Hospital is there. And I'm trying to help you see different ways you can be involved. You say, look it, I'm not going to get up and speak. Well, let me explain how the physicians were involved. They invited all their patients to a series of meetings that we had in October of last year. 
And Dr. Tim Howe, some of you know Tim, he and I shared the lecturing responsibility. So again, like Duane was saying, focus topics, heart disease, cancer, different themes that would interest people in the community. And I think we were having 70, 80 people coming out at night. A lot of these were contacts from these physicians in their offices. And then, well, how do you go from a series in October, a health series, we were meeting twice a week for four weeks, to something we were planning a major evangelistic series in uh, February and March. How, where do you go from there? Well, we had a series of other events then. We combined a meal with a health uh, sermon series that I did in uh, November. They had a cooking class. And so what you're doing is different ways to get connected with the community. Then in uh, January, we did a depression recovery program. And uh, I'd like to tell you that we have all this figured out, you know, and uh, we're just the experts, but we're all the same here. None of us really know what we're doing. And what was especially exciting in Topsom is to see how the Lord just orchestrated things. We're praying, you know, how do we get these people connected with the evangelistic meetings? And I'm not sure how this happened, but we're meeting at the Adventist High School, the Adventist Academy, Pine Tree Academy. That's where we held the Depression Recovery Program. And uh, the evangelistic series is going to be some 10 miles away in Topsom. How do you get the people there? Well, somehow the idea came, we need a support group for the depression program, and we need to do it at the church where the evangelistic series is going to be held. So what we did is once a week on, a, on Tuesday nights, which is one of the nights we had evangelistic meetings, is we invited the people from the depression series to come to the follow-up support group. And so many of these folks were coming there. Some came to the, uh, we did something similar. I explained, uh, as I explained with uh, David Asherick and Arise, I did health meetings right before the evangelistic series. But some people didn't come to those. So others came to the Tuesday night follow-up group, and we'd, that would end 15 minutes before the evangelistic meeting. And at the beginning of the evangelistic meeting, we always had a health talk. So different health professionals were involved with that, like Duane was explaining, that type of uh, program. And so people would come to the support group for the depression seminar, and then you say, well, you know, Dr. Howe or Dr. Penner or Dr. DeRose or whoever's lecturing that night has got a health talk. Why don't you come up for the health talk? And some of these people that had not been coming to the evangelistic meetings would come up to hear the health talk. And you know what happened to some of them? They'd stay. And uh, we we've, we've just did that in another evangelistic series. Have things happening that continue to draw those people that you have contacts with in your professional experience. Get involved in some way. You don't have to be a great presenter. You can give a 10-minute talk on your area of specialty. Dr. Penner, Greg Penner is an ENT specialist. He didn't feel... Um, the most comfortable with lecturing maybe on the whole range of subjects, but when it came to ENT problems, he gave a couple nights on that subject. And people, uh, his patients, can come out to hear him, and it's right before the evangelistic meetings. Another thing that the Lord orchestrated, another way to use health to connect with people, in the midst of the evangelistic meetings, we're giving these health talks, the Bible worker that we have in Topsom is also a vegan chef. That's a helpful combination of skills. And uh, when the folks learned that he was a vegan chef and we're talking about the health benefits of uh, eating more plant foods, they started asking him, well, could we do some kind of a cooking class or could you do some kind of demonstration? This is while the evangelistic meetings are going on, so they have a cooking class, like 
two weeks into the evangelistic series, we had 70 or 80 people. These aren't, most of them are not Adventists. They're coming out for a cooking class. There's a different dynamic in the context of a health meeting than there is having them come for a Sabbath for potluck. Can you think about that some? I mean, who's going to be there from the church at the health meeting, at the cooking class? Health-minded people and outreach-minded people. When, you come, when people come especially to a larger church for a potluck, there's, not, there's often not the evangelistic intensity that there is at special meetings you're holding. So the people they're rubbing shoulders with are not just going to tell them about you know, how they just sold a car and got a good deal on it. Um, you know, they're going to be more spiritually focused. And I'm not you know, passing judgment on our church. I'm just saying that it's very interesting what you have happening when you're deliberate in this process. So include health, include your expertise, draw in your patient base. Now, this is the statement in Councils on Health, page 548, that illustrates another reason why health is so important. You know, some people have told me, you know, Dr. DeRose or David, depending on who's talking to me, they say, you know what, this is just an add-on. You know, I, I don't like this stuff. You know, it looks so contrived. You know, do a little health talk, and then you've got the, uh, the evangelistic presentation. Sure, there are ways I think we can do that uh, more seamlessly, and that's what Phil was uh, referring to. Um, I've done some work with that, trying to tie health themes more into our evangelistic presentations. Uh, it's by no means uh, something I feel that is mastered, but if any of you want outlines that can give you some ideas, I'm happy to share those with you. But look at this statement here, thinking again about health and how it relates to the evangelistic preaching that we do. In, and I said we, meaning the church. Some of you I know have preached evangelistic meetings, but even if you don't feel you're an evangelistic preacher, in connection with the presentation of spiritual truths, we should also present what the Word of God says upon the questions of health and temperance. In every way possible, we must seek to bring souls under the convicting and converting power of God. Remember I showed you the statement in medical ministry about Medical evangelistic work, health ministry, is not only for sowing seed. What else is it for? Reaping. Do you see here? Do you see here? You know, it's easy for people to say, spiritually, I'm fine. But there's something about health that really shows where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? I mean, people can often recognize their physical health needs. I mean, we, we just heard a wonderful testimony where someone acutely became aware of their mortality, right? But it's the same thing. Often in the context of our health, we become aware of our mortality and our need. And so as we share about health and temperance, people will be convicted. And it's when they're convicted. You heard that connection? Without recognizing our need, we don't see our need for Christ. We don't see a need. We, we don't uh, gravitate to the gospel. So presenting health messages in the context with evangelism is powerful. You don't have to be the most eloquent and powerful speaker to make a significant impact. In this very same context in Councils on Health 546, Ellen White spoke about a particular burden that she had. And uh, this burden was articulated here. She said, I am concerned because so many things engage the minds of our physicians which would keep them from the work that God would have them do as evangelists. 
And I will tell you, uh, this statement spoke to my heart many years ago. I never knew how I was supposed to implement that. I said, well, Lord, I've read the council, but I'm too busy. I can't, get away. I can't preach an evangelistic series. And if you see the vision, I'm not saying everyone needs to do this, but the Lord is calling for many more of us as physicians and dentists and health professionals to be involved in public evangelism. The last point I want to make with you, and I want to leave some time for questions and answers. Is that fair enough? Um, is, uh, is about creation science evangelism. Three minutes, I've got to tell you about that. Creation science evangelism, uh, I'm giving a presentation on it this afternoon. This is not designed to be an advertisement, but it's to share with you your role as health professionals and how you can build attendance at evangelistic meetings. What we've done the last two evangelistic series we've done in Maine is the weekend before we launch the evangelistic series, we have a creation science seminar. And what we've found is that you as health professionals have incredible credibility when it comes to things that relate to science. You may not feel you understand all about the geologic column or fossils or whatever it might be, but whatever you do understand, give your influence to this subject, team up maybe with some other people. Uh, the CD that Amen has provided has lots of PowerPoint materials that are, you're free to use. All the organizations, the individuals that provided those, they said we were happy to put them in the hands of physicians, Christian physicians and dentists who want to use this in evangelistic work. So the sequence we've used is the weekend before the evangelistic series, in addition to anything else that went before, we do a creation science seminar. If you advertise that in your community, you're going to have Christians from other churches, people uh, in the decision-making process, wondering what church they should be going to. They're going to come to that meeting. Those people you can interest in the evangelistic series. I'll show you some about how to do that this afternoon. And then the last point I want to make about that is... Um, it's interesting, the dynamic that will happen in your own church, because I believe that the crea creation message is the foundation for a proper understanding of our health message, and I'll share a little bit about that this afternoon also. Is being an, is uh, studying to become an evangelist. He's about to finish. If the uh, if those that are presented could come up and sit in our uh, in our panel, we've uh, um, we've tried to uh, make it possible to have some question and answer time. Uh, I really appreciate the material. The um, next seminar that we will be uh, doing in this uh, room will be on um, the harnessing the resources of the church. I think that uh, you'll be very stimulated by that as well. Um, and uh, we have some uh, presentations on uh, working with the, within the church. Um, are there any questions for our panelists? There's a question. Uh, yes. The question here is for uh, the the uh, uh, CD. Is uh, how do you get your patients from your office to health without seeming to be uh, um, misusing your authority as a physician? Who would like to address that? 
Wendell, you were very, very successful. Let me have you address that uh, because of those of us here, you've had about as much experience as any. Well, you know, we, we have a Wednesday meeting at our office, and uh, in the community, a lot of people, word, of, word spreads from my patients that I go on mission trips and I have health meetings, and that's why I said we should make our office a center of evangelism, health evangelism for the area. And a, a, a Catholic physician from Beaumont Hospital, he and his daughter uh, found out about all meetings, and they are now attending. And he's Catholic, you know. And uh, we have the Win, Win Wellness Program, we, which is the Homes of Hope, actually. And we go through the 21 different steps. And he is so excited. And after each meeting at night, we, 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 we go through the Bible studies. And he's learning about, 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 about Christ and applying it to his life. And uh, we have a nice little dinner that we serve, healthy vegan dinner we serve, light dinner. And he... He invites some of his other physician friends to come to that also. And so we have about two or three physicians coming out, and uh, they are not Adventists, but they are coming weekly. So just in the community, you know. Um, just before Raja uh, addresses that question, I want to share what happened when I went to Grant's Pass. There was one patient that I had, and I had 28 different basal cell cancers to take off of his skin. One had grown very, very large and fungating on the shoulder. Um, but he had them all over his, his body. And so because of that, we spent many hours together. Um, and the nice thing about skin surgery is they're all alert and awake. And so you have a chance to get well acquainted with them um, while you're uh, – what we try to do is no cell left behind. Um, <laughs> But uh, anyway, this fellow is very, was very loyal Catholic uh, with his uh, wife. But we got well acquainted, and then I shared with him about Mark Finlay's series in Orlando, Discoveries um, 08, and it was really, it was on, on um, archaeology. And I said, you know, I, I'm interested in going through this. My son actually was assisting in this and told me how good it was. Um, and I just invited them to our house to watch it with my wife and myself. And uh, some other patients, uh, well, our realtor, um, we were looking for housing. And as we were chatting, uh, we never did find a house, so we spent a lot of time with him. And uh, so he says, you know, he says, uh, he says, I think I'd go to your church if you were a pastor somewhere. And so that gave an opening um, to invite him to come to these. And so uh, a group of about six, plus my wife and myself, ultimately ended up going through every Wednesday night Mark, Finze Mark Finley's evangelistic series. And so those are ways that you can get them to evangelistic meetings if you can get them to your house. Roger wanted to say something. Literature at the office uh, can also be a very um, effective uh, means. Uh, one of my patients, while he was waiting for me to prepare a few things to excise a uh, lesion from his skin, um, and I'm not a dermatologist. <laughs> anyway, uh, he, I, I told him, would you like to read something while you're waiting? He said, yeah, sure. I handed him the Ten Commandments twice removed. And he started reading it. He said, can I take this home? I said, absolutely. All these books are free. You can take whatever you want. 
he came back for a follow-up, and he said, I didn't know that, that the Sabbath was the seventh day. This is the first time I find this out. I said, oh, absolutely. He said, you know what? My daughter kept, kept the seventh-day Sabbath, and we always told her, no, God loves you anyway. You can keep any day you want. But this is the real day. Where's your church? <laughs> and I invited him to church. And another patient, again, a captive audience. I was uh, freezing all kinds of SKs on his back. And uh, this gentleman had told me he had uh, met his wife in Hungary, uh, in Hungary uh, while, while they were singing choir. I said, oh, so you sing in choir? He said, not anymore. I said, why? How come? He said, well, churches, have you seen how the music is in these days in churches, the drums and all that? I told him, our church does not play that, the drums and stuff. We, we sing hymns, all nice, real nice hymns. He said, oh, really? I said, yeah, absolutely. He said, where are you from? I said, from Iraq. He said, but those books... I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He said, oh, Christian from Iraq. I said, yeah. <laughs> so, I said, <laughs> so I shared with him some books. He said, yeah, I'd love to go. Where's your church? And I invited him to church. So literature and talking. Um, and we shouldn't forget that a book is an evangelistic series or uh, the right books. Yeah, maybe I'll mention one other thing briefly that I think Arvo was uh, asking about too, and that is getting non-Adventist physicians to refer patients. One of the things that I think a lot of you have found effective as we have is using the, the high-quality prepackaged health programs we do have in our church. Some mention has been made of those. Um, just a very brief example, a couple of non-Adventist physicians who've come to uh, the depression recovery programs that we've offered. Once they've come through, they're inviting their patients. They say, whenever you're doing anything, we want to put flyers in our office. So. Just take advantage of CHIP, depression recovery. You mentioned some of the Michigan conference programs, but a lot of good programs out there. Excellent. And Raja had uh, one final comment, and then we're about uh, out of time. Maybe one more question. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, uh, as, a, as a family medicine doctor that loves dermatology, I get referrals from all our doctors. We, our company is uh, 13, 14 doctors. So I see other patients than mine, and I get to minister to them as well, and, and they're exposed to the literature that I have in my office. Not just this, but the big ones of them, I refer them to our lifestyle classes. We call it lifestyle. It's a CHIP program, actually, in our office. It's ongoing all year long. And from, the, from that office, from those uh, uh, studies, those uh, talks, we are Trans transitioning into Bible studies, and many patients have exp expressed interest, and we're going to go on with that. Uh, I think Naren had a question. Um, I do, but I don't think she had one there was a question over here? No, no, no I'm saying here. Mm -hmm. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, Linda. If I could say to Arvo's question, um, my, staff mails out my staff mails out 300 letters when the Depression Seminar comes to the nearby church. Um, I don't go to the San Marcos Church. I go to one in Austin. Um, also, when they've mailed out the 300 letters to the patients that, you know, that the electronic medical records pulls up the ICD-9s of who's got depression in my database. And so and it generates a letter and boom, it's, it's, it's out the door in four hours. And then we have a calling thing. Everybody takes a letter of the alphabet and calls uh, people and say, hey, this letter's coming in the mail. There's a great seminar. And then the staff, um, they take the brochures that the church has printed um, and they put them with the sign-in paper so that when I walk into the room with the patient's papers, everybody gets a depression seminar uh, invitation, and I say, 
not everyone is depressed, but I say, do you know anyone who is depressed? Because there's this wonderful seminar. I've been through it. I thought it was life-changing. It's very scientific. If you know anyone who's depressed, they may not want to admit it. You know how people don't want to admit that they're depressed. But if you share this with them, you could change their life. And, and that's how a third of the audience in the depression seminar is from my practice. And just uh, one other comment. I find, personally, it's easy for me to sell something that somebody else is doing. It's hard for me to sell what I'm doing. I'm just not very good at it. But if it's somebody else, then I can, then it's easy to boost the, uh, the program. So that's why it's easy for me to invite people to hear Mark Finley rather than, why don't you come over here and listen to me give you a wonderful Bible study. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It was really good insights from all of you. Uh, I'll tell the truth. We are in a unique situation where we're actually trying to plant a church in Danville, and we just started having Sabbath services within this past, well, last June we started. And we're very much using health evangelism through the office to try to enhance this whole effort. But we're contemplating this year doing evangelism. And even though the pastor wanted to do it, I've insisted that I would like to see a health professional do it. You know, namely me, I mean, so basically. <laughs> and my question is, I mean, I'm not self-promoting, but I do believe there's a tangible difference for a health professional himself, herself, to be involved directly so I wonder if any of you have any insights on that or what material do you use and, you know, uh, any thoughts on that? Did you have a comment to that question? Oh, okay, excuse me. Um, who would like to, Dave, why don't you? Well, I would just say, you know, start with some of the, you know, the good prepackaged sermons we have, whether it's, uh, you know, New Beginnings or whether it's, you know, another evangelist series, whether you preach to share him uh, series. So there are, Prepackaged evangelistic materials and then modify them, uh, you know, so it has the you know distinctive flavor that you want to give it. Well, we uh, we really have to stop. It's now one o'clock, and I try to stay on time. If you see, I was mean to our presenters, uh, standing up and tell them when their time is up, and so our our uh, next presentation will be uh, in. Uh, on a diet and that will be down in the cafeteria this media was produced by audioverse for amen adventist medical evangelism network if you would like to learn more about amen please visit www.amensda.org or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons please visit www.audioverse.org